0: Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend, and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hello, culminators. I have uh, someone very special to talk to, to join us today in our, in our culmination efforts. It is a person known to you under many names. Uh, Drawn Strike is his almost one of his more recent incarnations uh, on the the internet. But uh, at the end of the day, we're talking here with Brian Cates, the fascinating, original, creative, dogged, uh, and until fairly recently banned, uh, at least from Twitter, uh, journalist investigative journalist who has been covering the Trump and related uh, beat for a couple of years and who, as he knows, I, I'm going to, as he as he and I've discussed many times, who uh, has led many of us <laughs> down the rabbit hole, including yours truly. Uh, we're going to talk about that and we're going to see what's going on with Brian Cates. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you for having me, Brian. It's great to be here.
0: So I understand you. you recently became a A Florida native?
1: Yeah, I moved to Florida back in May. I visited here uh, early this year in January and February to attend some events. And I stayed in the town of Lakeland, Florida, which is like it's situated almost right between uh, Orlando and Tampa Bay. And so I stayed here for two months and fell in love with the place. So I ended up moving back here. In uh, May of this year, Uh, I bought a house and this is where this is my new studio in the house I just bought.
0: So you got you got a studio set up. Are you tell me tell me what your present gig is. I guess you're doing some podcasting. You got a studio set up.
1: Well, I intend to be doing more live streaming. I haven't done many podcasts recently. Getting on a regular schedule with Badlands Media. Which was started by John Harold and Patrick Gunnell. and uh, I'm going to be doing some regular streaming on that service. So, I went ahead and set up a studio. Um, I got some cool paintings in the background. I was done by Chad Vivas, who goes by Keg Drogo and folks, So, very talented already. And wow. so, yeah, I'll be doing regular streaming in the future.
0: So, I'm going to want to talk to you about you know, the subjects of your of your um of your paintings uh, very soon. But first, I want to. Back up a little bit. T- tell people who aren't necessarily familiar with your with your work about your career. Uh, you know what? What are you? When do you have you always been a journalist? What's What's tell us? Yeah. Tell us the Tell us the story.
1: Well, Graham, um I started out as, I'm deaf, by the way, I'm deaf, so uh, that's why I, people will see me looking down to the right here, because I'm reading everything you starting off of the speech to text app on my phone. And so um, I got my start on uh, Twitter, writing long threads uh, as I was began researching the events in uh, 2017, what was going on with Spygate. And it seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And I built up a very large following on, uh, on Twitter while I went over the developments, you know, from James Comey testifying in front of Congress and the, the memos he stole from the FBI and gave to his friend, that the, his professor friend, to leak to the New York Times for him. And everything kind of snowballed from there. And I was I was delivering papers for a living at that time. I was a newspaper delivery person, and uh, so I would I would be up all night delivering my paper, right? and then I'd I'd be um, researching during the day on my computer, digging stuff up, and then posting at night before going to bed. And I followed that um that routine for several years. I came to the attention of uh, Josh Philip with the Epoch Times who invited me, after reading one of my threads, he invited me to write a guest column for the newspaper. And uh, it was was on uh, the Spygate, and uh, the moves going on behind the scenes, and it was so well received, they invited me to become a regular contributor. And so for a period of three years, from uh, say July 2018 until about August of um, 2020, I was a regular contributor. To um, in the Epoch Times, um, then um, I kind of branched out on my own. have my own sub stack now, which I write for what's called the Rise of the New Media sub Stack. And so, for the just over the last year, I've been pretty much on my own, doing doing my own column writing and publishing and start publishing it.
0: Well, Brian, what before you started doing this research? Did you have any kind of background in, you know, in invest as an investigative journalist? Uh, are you just yourself taught? You applied yourself to facts that were placed in front of you and just started digging away.
1: Well, I say I'm a self-taught journalist. I mean, uh, the only formal education I have is a bachelor's degree in theology and missions that I got from a small barber college in Minnesota. Back in uh, 1989. Are you from Minnesota? Uh, no, I'm from I'm grew up in Texas. I uh, but I went to college in Minnesota. I ended up in college in Minnesota, but I'm a I'm a lifelong Texan, pretty much. And so you from... I had no formal training. And um, after I graduated from college, I, I became sort of a jack of all trades. I worked as a graphic artist for ten years in print shop before I started my own print shop on the Virgin Islands, and I ran that with a friend for seven years. Then I moved back to uh, Texas in uh, 1997, and I worked as an engraver and a, a graphic artist in a print shop, and so until I started, I joined Twitter, and I started getting interested in politics and digging into it. You know, I had no journalistic background with living. Were you always
0: a conservative politically? Um, I would say I was middle of the
1: road until I got saved. I met Jesus in nineteen eighty four, and then uh, I I sort of had to reassess some things like about abortion, some other beliefs that I had. And I think I think I pretty much became a conservative also from uh, listening to, Rush Limbaugh and reading his books. Which, uh, which I enjoyed very much. I uh, I was a big fan of his TV show, I wish he kept doing that he had a TV show very brief, briefly, but he decided it was interfering with his uh, his radio uh, show commitments. But I was I became a huge Russ Limbaugh fan, and I think he, I got became very well grounded in conservatism through Russ Limbaugh.
0: You 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 are a good writer. I I mean I always found your stuff to be lucid and well expressed uh and i and one of the reasons i enjoyed following you and interacting with you on twitter was that a lot of the things you were saying were really unique takes i believed that you and i still believe that you were seeing things that many other people were missing uh but of course you ended up making some really big judgment calls that I think it's pretty clear did not pan out, right? Above all, it would be I, I guess the um the sessions, the, the the sessions judgment call. So let's talk about that.
1: The unique takes that I had uh, were based on research, uh, my own research. One of the sad facts of the media culture that we currently find ourselves in, uh, is that if a lot of people instantly form hot takes and they stick with it. They they, uh, they adopt a narrative and they, they stick with it. Um, whenever any big event happens, people just instantly start spending their own hot take on it. And it takes time to sit down and go back and dig into the source material and make sure you, you're grounded in uh, a firm understanding of, of what, what what was actually going on. And I, I only on in Spygate, a lot of the hot takes that were flying around were not very well grounded. It's just people instantly forming opinions that uh, like Jeff Sessions being a coward and like um uh, one one more recent example when they stole the election from Donald Trump in November 2020 um it was definitely assumed by a lot of people Durham was over right there and Durham was going to be his special counsel investigation was going to be completely shut down and there would be nothing further from Durham. Yeah, and I I I actually got some very negative pushback from some people because I was saying Durham was not finished. Um, I was writing columns for Epoch and from like January 2021 all the way through that summer, you know, June, July, saying that the Durham investigation had not ended. And I uh, some people really didn't like that. They were, like, oh, this guy's still going, you know, claiming. I mean, it's obvious Biden and Garland had shut Durham down long ago. And then we got two indictments and then we got two trials and where a lot of evidence was put on the record. And I understand a lot of people are happy that Durham is 0 for 2 in convictions and these trials that he had. But I was right about him not being done. And right now you have a lot of people out there chattering that he's working on his final report, you know, and this chatter that he's doing... He's limiting himself to just writing a final report, which he'll drop sometime next year, and then that'll be it. And uh, I still don't agree with that interpretation either. Well,
0: well, Brian, the reason I, not to agree with that is because he's not in the report writing business. He's a prosecutor. Mueller, Mueller wrote a report. He he did... Uh, well, and I think that was actually requested from him. But... I don't think it's part of uh Durham's job to write a report. You either have evidence to prosecute someone or you don't um and what what I think that was remarkable is though uh, is that one of the things that i that kept me believing that you were onto something was that if you were wrong about sessions actually being you know with the program and really you know being in the driver's seat and being much more proactive and and all the th- you know all the uh, famous assertions that you made uh, and I do apologize to 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 uh, culminators who are not really up to speed on the on this early uh you know on the on the The fun stuff that brian and i are talking about and maybe i'll do a little introduction uh before we post this but of course a lot of the stuff you did is gone because you they they nuked your your account but if 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 you were wrong about sessions i always argued if brian's wrong about sessions then a lot of us are wrong about trump because how could trump let this play out if trump is letting this play out the way the standard narrative says he is then not only is he not a master of 4d chess he might actually be a fool well i i think things are more complicated than that i think it turns out that he. i don't think he's a fool um, I don't think but I think a lot of the things that we thought were 4D chess were not 4D chess at all.
1: You know, well, one thing we learned about real life is real life is amazingly complex. Now what a lot of media tried to do is it tried to take everything and reduce it into sound bite chunks and just make it easy to digest and make it make it make it simplistic. And uh, the, uh, Spygate is not simplistic. <laughs> he you dug into it and research it to the level that I have, the people like Tracy Baines and all the other, the other people that were there from the early days, Spygate is an amazingly complex uh, scandal. And its I, I believe it's far from over. I would one, like one to people, think so. One thing people need to remember is what Durham was actually tasked to do he wasn't just tasked to, you know, he was tasked to, to find out how did one campaign in the 2016 presidential election managed to successfully send dirty tricksters to the federal agency to get the other rival campaign investigated via official, uh, uh, an official buy one, a Pfizer one, when it was all based on made-up crap that came from the other campaign. How did that happen? Okay, and when you look at what he's done so far, he hasn't even come close to uh, getting to the Pfizer abuse yet. All he's done is he's laid the groundwork showing who the actors were in creating the steel dossier, in creating the Alpha Bank hooks. He's established who did what the nuts and bolts of how these two main frauds, these hosters, were constructed. Who brought them to the federal agencies? Um, and he's established that. But as far as who, at the federal agencies, took this fake stuff that they knew would come straight from the Hillary Clinton campaign, and who took it and put it in an official spy warrant, and who Signed off on it, represented to the court, I hereby swear, everything in this warrant is true is true, to, and correct to the best of my knowledge. Okay, he hasn't even begun to touch on that yet. So, well, everything I know about John Durham tells me he's a very thorough guy. He's a very meticulous guy. So all he's done with these first two trials is he's established the, the framework, the uh, ground-level work on establishing who did what before he gets into the real heart of the matter, how did this fake warrant? They and they spied on far more than just Cody Page. Uh, based on this fake warrant, this, the fake stuff that was put in this warrant, they we still don't know at this point how many people did they actually spy on that were uh, that were involved in the Trump campaign, and then they did not stop uh, with the spying once Trump entered. He won the election Within the transition team. They continued spying on him. Then when he took the oath of office on uh, January 20, 2017, they continued renewing that warrant. They renewed it three more times. Um, And so they continued right on through September of 2017 during Trump's first year in office. They were spying on a sitting president based on made-up crap it came straight from the Hillary Clinton campaign, so uh that's his that' a, that's a, a massive uh, crime it's a massive national security breach, and so Durham hasn't even begun to scratch the surface of it, which is one reason why I don't think he's finished
0: i I mean i I guess I have a problem, not with you, but i I, I share a problem with you, which is that my ability to suspend disbelief seems to be limited i keep thinking that the fbi can't possibly be and the justice department can't possibly be and the federal courts can't possibly be as corrupt as they seem to be but i think perhaps the mistake we've made is that we're learning over and over again. That they may very well be, that and worse. it's,
1: it's hard. I mean, early on in the Spygate days, um, you know, Andrew McCarthy was a very uh, well grounded, respected federal prosecutor for many years, and uh, before he started writing his National Review column and be- he became a commentator on, on uh, Fox News, and early on he was saying, "Oh, this can't be true. They can't have." They can't have done this. There are so many safeguards that are in place. What, what, what these conspiracy theorists are saying, on uh, you know, about uh, this fake stuff being put in a spy by warrant to spy on a presidential campaign, that's a, that's a, uh, uh, they need a massive amount of evidence to, to have that happen. They must have had something. What you're describing is impossible. There are so many safeguards in place that couldn't happen. And then like a year later, by the end of 2018, so much evidence is surfaced. Andrew was literally forced to come out and issue a Mia culpa inside house, especially when the 302 form shenanigans came out. And it came out that Lisa Page, who wasn't even present at the interview, was helping to edit the official 302 form, something that hardly anybody remembers, but I don't forget anything. Okay. And Andrew McCarthy is supposed to go outside. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to discovering this, that the, none of the proper procedures were followed. This, And he was stunned. You could tell he was stunned. And then he wrote a book called Bottle Collusion, where he goes into, you know, and what well, I sound so funny about that book is just a year earlier, he'd been saying this kind of thing was impossible. That was not the FBI that he knew. That was not the Department of Justice. That he knew and it was it was shocking and very eye-opening to him.
0: So this is interesting because what I said a couple minutes ago was I, and perhaps you made a mistake of thinking this can't be happening. And therefore, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brian's hot takes that this or, or even not so hot takes because you were thorough, but you were connecting dots, and the dots can have said to you. It can't be happening the way it looks like it's happening because that would be crazy. And on the other hand, people like McCarthy who who look who look at someone like you if they would even deign to acknowledge your existence, certainly he's never deigned to acknowledge mine. Um, as a, as a conspiracy theorist, okay, he's he's completely bought into the regularity and trustworthiness and. Um, and, and in fact he's he's coming out the same way also which is that i i really but from a completely different angle in other words i got burned because i thought your your dot connection made perfect sense he got burned because he thought the dot connection by guys like you couldn't possibly be the case you were actually far more right except about sessions except about sessions about what was really going on and about how bad things really were, then people, I think, still appreciate.
1: I mean, if you go back to 2017, Andrew McCarthy had been inside that federal system. He prosecuted several high-profile terrorism cases. He had an intimate understanding of uh, the federal system, he and he could not see how this could be possible. You know, the FBI and the DOJ that he had experience with. What you're describing to me, I I don't see how this can how this could take take place. And I'm an outsider. Me and these other SpyGate researchers, you know, I think early on they they said uh, we're just a bunch of pajama-wearing bloggers. You know, what can we possibly know? And uh, and so I don't blame people at all for, oh, yeah, I'm skeptical of this. I'm skeptical this is even possible. But we're five years on now into this, and so much has surfaced, and so much evidence has come to light. And I believe Durham's going to be bringing more evidence to light before this is over. And the, the amount of corruption is just staggering. It's staggering.
0: That I think is, it's impossible not to agree with, unless you're a complete... Kool Aid drinking New York Times reader, if you every every person who is honestly interested in the truth here has to acknowledge that the system ran off the rails. Well,
1: it's just difficult to say that because we we grow up trusting these institutions, we trust they're going to do the right thing, and so one one of the uh, even though I knew how bad some things were inside the FBI and the DOJ due to my previous five years of studying Spygate and how they spied on a president based on what they knew was fake crap from Hillary Clinton. And they they did all these things to try to, they, they ran fake impeachments at him, they tried to get Trump out of office as fast as they could. And then they stole an election from him, and then the FBI, DOJ said, hey, nothing to see here, okay. I'm uh, I'm fully cognizant of how how corrupt uh, these institutions are. I was still shocked because I recently got involved with True the Vote and the uh, conic angle, how the how conic has has been compromising the U.S. election system down to the county level. And I've been studying this and True um, the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht, and Greg Phillips actually had, um, but evidence, help bring evidence, I should say, they help bring evidence to the FBI of a massive national security breach. And the FBI, it looks like the FBI pretended to run an investigation for 18 months with them and then dropped it and then then started talking about investigating Catherine and Greg for bringing this to them. And so uh, that shot, I mean, I, I was already pretty jaded, but that shocked me. Somebody could bring this kind of evidence to the FBI, and then they end up becoming targets. And so um, I think due to what's happening in recent months, not just with, we uh, emphasized with the results of these midterms, um, the people who didn't even campaign, who didn't even debate, they went handling. They went easily after after a week of counting the votes. You know, they uh, they they went easily, and there's just so much corruption out there. And and people look at these institutions and they go, "Why is nothing being done about this?" It's blatant in your face, broad, and it doesn't look like anything's being done. So you can't blame people for feeling that way.
0: And that's right. And, and and you also have this situation where you you're you're accused of being a um conspiracy theorist if you actually accept the most straightforward explanation of what your eyes are seeing
1: it's it's hard because they they it happens right out in front of you and uh, a big part of gaslighting a big part of gaslighting by the mainstream media um who who I believe are uh tied to the intelligence agencies many of them have agency handlers the mainstream media their job is the gaslighting okay you did not really see what you thought you just saw let us explain to you what really happened and so this 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 is organized it's highly organized and they spend a lot of money and resources on this it. basically gaslighting the people of this nation to convince them to convince them all so what, what they're seeing right out there in the open is not really that the got it wrong. They're just being conspiracy theorists.
0: Speaking of conspiracy theorists, let's talk about Q. Okay. When did you first bump into the world of Q? I believe
1: that would have been towards the end of 2017 when Q began posting. Um... I would I was uh I had a couple hundred thousand followers on Twitter at that time. And I I love engaging with with people that follow me. That's how you and I first met. And uh, we became pretty good friends on Twitter. And I engaged with a lot of people on on Twitter and um very great, fantastic people. And some of them have become Q followers and they were constantly sharing with me. Oh God, let me tell you what the latest Q drop was. And all I knew, too, was, well, that's some anonymous message board, isn't it, where there's some people who are reported to be military intelligence team or something. I mean, nobody knows. They're, they're dropping these tea leaves, uh, breadcrumbs, so people can kind of try try to figure it out for themselves like a puzzle. And so I'm a, I I was writing for the Epoch Times um, shortly after that, and I, I was like, well, great. But uh, if people think this is real, fine. But I can't use that. Um, I have to have a verified source. I have to have multiple sources before I include, like if I went to my editors and said, I want to make this claim in a column about Spygate and the source is this anonymous message board on on HR and and it's this guy, these anonymous people called Q, the Q team, they claim that they're they're, uh, they're pulling off a military intelligence operation behind the scenes. And I want to use this as a source. They have told me uh, that I would not be allowed to do that because they cannot verify any of this. So I deliberately kept Q at arm's length. I never said I, uh, I rejected it. I never said it's fake. But what I said was, I can't use this. So I didn't even look into it. I just pretty much Every time the issue came up, and I was asked a lot, if I believed in Q, you know, like if, if you, have to, you have to become a, um, a member of the Q religion or whatever, do you believe in Q? And I always was able to successfully navigate domains, so to speak, and try to stay neutral on that.
0: Right. I mean, there is a problem when you're asked to believe in or believe someone because of who they are. Unless it's God, right? Unless it's revealed truth of God, but in this world, I shouldn't have to believe in Q or trust Q. I should be able to have. I'm open to anyone proving facts to me, even if it's Q, but not just based on a a claim of access to, you know, secret secret information.
1: Well, a lot of this stuff is open source. What they're asking people to look into, they're asking questions about um uh, what the, what the Q people do is they try to use the Socratic method. They they ask questions and you're supposed to do your own digging and look into it. So but the only also people I tend I think they tend to get too enthusiastic about it and they start trying to treat it like a cult. Do you believe in Q? You know, I'm not always uh That always struck me uh, the wrong way. So I publicly kept it at arm's length for about five years, from 2017 all the way until about February of this year. I never looked into it. I never bothered with it. I always said I can't use it as a source. And so I was neutral on the question if it was real or not.
0: Are you aware of any actual useful information that ever came out of the world of Q? The
1: people couldn't find from themselves elsewhere, no.
0: Do you think Q was an opposition or, you know, a false flag uh, operation? Or, I mean, what do you think it was about?
1: Well, uh, some people te- teach that it's uh, it's being run by um, the bad guys inside the uh, civilian uh, intelligence agencies It's being used as a means to gen up a uh, domestic terrorist threat. You know, if they ever since January sixth happened, they've been trying to convince the rest of the American public. That Donald Trump followers and especially the q QAnon people um, are violent domestic terrorist threat, and so they need to the security state. The FBI needs to infiltrate these groups, you know, and 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 find out what they're really doing in there, you know. And this this led to the the J six prisoners, many of whom are still languishing in jail without any 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 charges. And this damn thing happened. Almost two full years ago, it's just incredibly sad, but um, it looked, it looks like they're they're trying to drive a narrative that q Q and I don't believe Q and Q and are the same time, but they think Q and need to be presented to people as a valid domestic terrorist, threat, and that's why it's okay for the FBI to create like the Whitmer kidnapping plot in Michigan. Well, there's like 15 people involved in it, and seven or eight of them are either FBI agents or FBI informants. And then it turns out uh, there's evidence emerging that most of the people engaged in most of the violence and the property destruction on January 6 were in fact undercover FBI. You know, are there are uh, there's even some evidence I've seen that some of these black-clad goons wearing the tactical gear. Who asked me from the Trump? And so all this stuff is, is emerging. It was not Trump people or even Q supporters who were doing all this, but you're right. They are trying to act like there's a there's a genuine domestic terror threat with Lady Q and a lot of the Trump base, and they're trying to to try. They're cracking down on it. They're saying we have to crack down on this to get this under control. And so they're trying to cast ordinary Americans as if they're a domestic terror threat. Um, One other comment I want to make real quick. The FBI used this entrapment model against Muslims. They would find disaffected Muslims from 2000 and on. They would find uh, young Muslim men who uh, who were not fitting into society. And they would send FBI agents and informants at them. And 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 they they would give them, I I can get you a bomb. Would you like a bomb, you know? And they would entrap them. And they were doing this video that it looks to me like right, they just took that same model and starting around 2020, they decided they were gonna begin using it on the Trump base. And yeah, because Q is kind of cultist in its behavior, it was easy for them to try to try to turn this into a uh, Try to turn Q into a domestic terror threat, and it looks like that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Well, I, you know, I, th- I actually think they've backed off from that because I think it didn't sell. Uh, I, I think they also, you know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, that they didn't win the elections, uh, or or they didn't resist the Republican challenges in the elections on messaging. They didn't win with messaging. They didn't win with uh, even with successfully demonizing people. they they won with controlling how votes are collected and counted. Uh, that's, you know, a topic for a different day. But I don't believe that they're the incredibly cynical attempts that they made to consider anyone who questioned the official narrative, a domestic terrorists or people who went to school board meetings i, I don't think that oh sure so...
1: I remember God and dog tongue tied when and they tried tried to pretend that none of this happened. It does look like they were they were trying to the school the school board meetings where the parents were getting very vocal, and it, I think they they did try to intimidate some of these parents into into not being quite so loud you know yeah but when we find out the crap that these schoolboys were actually pushing, it could you know, certainly understand why our parents were getting upset.
0: Brian, do you know Thomas Richter?
1: I don't know him personally you've um, spoken to you've uh, spoken I, to I was him like though, right? a Twitter Brand Have you ever spoken to
0: him personally on the phone?
1: Uh I don't speak to anybody on the phone, but I did I did DM with him extensively. We, we we were talking behind the scenes quite a bit in DMs and by email.
0: Yeah. Do you think so? You know, I I freely admit that I loved I loved listening to Thomas's stuff. I, I think he I think it was Brian Cates plus. He was connecting and he would and and he was incredibly creative and he went in places and he knew about things and knows about things. I hope he's doing okay. Have that but other people simply don't didn't weren't aware of. But there clearly was a point where his his speculation and his optimism got the better of him. Would you agree?
1: Well, Thomas was a pretty unique guy, and what people need to remember is <clears throat> What he was the best at, what got him the attention the most, uh, was his ability, uh, was his study of weapons, weaponry, uh, and armaments, and how how they were used in warfare. He explained some of the things. These videos that were coming out of the Middle East, right. he would do very excellent analysis and breakdown.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, some some military on. guys would second guess him. Uh, you know, he he didn't get an A-plus from everyone familiar with the field, but compared to guys like you and me and anybody else that we're going to talk to, he definitely had his arms around it.
1: He did. And uh, I missed him. I, I wish he would come back, but for his own personal reasons, he he decided he needed to step back from social media. Uh, there were several events that happened, um, one of which was his band, um publicly named as the inspiration for the uh, Devolution theory, And he he was instantly branded the Devolution guru by all these MSM rags out there that started, started going after him. You know, BuzzFeed, The Daily Beast, his name got out there. And so he got a lot of negative attention. Several of his financial accounts were... Uh, were, were uh, he was banned off of MoneyGram and several of these other... Uh, um, financial institutions because of his name being tied to this publicly. And so that's yeah, that's what they do. You know, they don't they don't come out and try to argue with you like a man, they just throw you off their social media or they ban you from their from their being able to raise any money on Patreon or um GoFundMe or some of these other websites. So um he's laying low for now. And uh, I heard from him an email recently. He said he's doing well. He has projects he's working on. He's working on a, a book or two, so we may be hearing from him in the future.
0: Well, you know, one of the things also, Brian, that I think a lot of people did not appreciate is that he's a great writer. I, I, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm still struck by a thread he did a uh, breaking down David Bowie's last. And remember, he he started. He had been a Music critic, popular yeah. music, breaking down David Bowie's last music video, and the allusions to death and dying. And I guess Bowie already probably knew that he was dying at that point. And I was just so struck by the humanity and the insight. Um, you know, mm. Thomas is is a please. By the way, tell him Ron Coleman. Yeah,
1: somebody with that kind of gifting, somebody with that kind of ability, you know. I understand. I get asked all the time if I know what Thomas is, if I know what he's doing, if he's coming back. And uh, he, he, was, he started as a music journalist. I, I just want to relate one thing. I was recently going through the uh, Crazy Days and Crazy Nights uh, blog that somebody, an undercover entertainment lawyer who's appears to be really wired into this thing. And there are, uh, some of the things, the things that have been uncovered in Hollywood recently, uh, I remember uh, this story that Thomas told uh, several times when he was in his music journalist days. He'd be invited to all these parties, these top parties. Uh, with this is isn't just Hollywood people. There's athletes, there's singers, there's any, all types of celebrity personalities, there's these parties. And this was in the early uh, 1980s, that he'd be at these parties, and he would hear people joking about how Bill Cosby was drugging and raping women. And He's shared several stories like this, uh, that the pedophilia was out in the open, the the drugging and, and raping women was out in the open, everybody knows he's doing it. So when he first, said, and so some people, I introduced them to the Crazy Days and Crazy Nights blog, and they start reading about all the stuff that this guy knows about. He dropped what he called blind items, and then every now and then he'll reveal what one of the blind items who really that story was about, and it's just, just amazing stuff. He was on the Britney Spears, what's been going on with Britney Spears, and the conservatorship, and all this crap going on. And he was he was he knew all about this. This and, Hollywood is a town full of open secrets. Now, everybody knows what Kevin Spacey is doing. Everybody knows, everybody knew what Harvey Weinstein was doing. It was an open secret. And uh, I, I just remind them, my friend Thomas Wichter was saying back in the 1980s that it was so well known what Cosby was doing. People were joking about it at their party. And this is like you know 30 years before any of this came out and he ended up in prison. So um, Thomas is a very perceptive guy, and I, I do hope he comes back someday.
0: Me too. Please, like I said, t- tell him I said hello, Brian, I hope also that we see more of you. I'll make it my business to make sure that people who watch this will know where to find your work, uh, because uh, you, you're, you're a really insightful and a straight shooting guy. You admitted when you think about, but people don't appreciate is that when when it all came apart and it turned out that sessions wasn't wasn't you know wasn't the genius behind it all and that it was really as bad as it looked you admitted it you admitted it and that's the difference between you and all these scumbags in the mainstream media media is that they're wrong about much bigger things and they never admit it and yet you're the guy who's you know the outsider you're the guy who's you know, call a uh, cons- conspiracy theorist, and 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 so. No, but
1: the one big advantage I will always have over the mainstream media, sirens, is that long ago they stopped being journalists. They started being narrative tellers. Their 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 job is not to find the truth. It's not to communicate to people the news so they can make up their own mind. Their job is to hype, they are paying to hype a narrative. The people who are behind them, who are paying them, are literally paying them to be propagandists. So a propagandist will never come out and tell you, oh, sorry, I got that wrong. They're not going to do that. They're not paid to do that. The billionaires, the uh, people who are behind the scenes that are funding many of these uh, media outlets, they're paying these people for narrative control. That's what their job is now. The job is to control the national public school, and to control the national conversation. That's why I will always have an advantage over them.
0: Yes, you will. I hope that you'll. Uh, I hope that you'll continue doing what you're doing. I wish you continued growth uh-huh. and an opportunity. Thank you very much for spending a little time with me today, and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you, Ryan. I will.